What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Vic, and welcome back to Victory Lane. On today's episode, guys, we're going to talk about the NFL rookies and see who's going to have the biggest impact on their team. Not to mention, we've had so many crazy performances down the NBA bubble. We're going to just talk about all of it. So, guys, why don't you guys just pull up a seat, grab a cold one, and DJ, yeah, hit my damn music. What's up, guys? So before we start the show, I think it's only fitting that we talk about what's going on in our country. So if you guys don't know, there was a huge shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, surrounding Jacob Taylor. A police officer gunned down and shot seven times an African-American male by the name of Jacob Taylor. And it was the most horrific thing I think I've ever witnessed. I woke up a couple days ago to the video and... I honestly couldn't believe what was going on. It was truly disturbing. It really made me feel sick. And I just couldn't believe that another shooting has happened again in the U.S. in such a very quick time. I mean, George Floyd just passed away and then this happened. And, you know, I completely agree with what's going on in Wisconsin with the protests surrounding this because black men are dying innocently and it's absolutely needs to stop. We need to have police reform and someone needs to get in there and really enact some true change. So the NBA players, specifically the Milwaukee Bucks, came out yesterday and basically told the world that we're not going to play in this NBA bubble no longer. We're the face of Wisconsin and it is just not right for us to go out there and play. There are bigger things to handle right now in our country surrounding this issue. So they decided not to play. When game time was scheduled and tipped off, the Orlando Magic players were out there, but the Milwaukee Bucks players refused to come out, and rightfully so did not. Following suit, the Magic players went back into the locker room, and sure enough, news broke on Twitter that the Milwaukee Bucks are boycotting the NBA season. And this hit the whole internet with a huge, huge sound. Everybody was talking about this. It brought a huge spotlight to the issue. And following after the Milwaukee Bucks stopped playing, the other two games held for the day with the OKC Thunder and the Houston Rockets. And additionally, the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers all canceled as well, too. All the players agreed in unison to not play and bring light to this issue, this horrific issue that happened in Wisconsin. When this happened, guys, it caused a lot of strife. And a lot of people were uncertain unto whether the NBA bubble would continue, would the playoffs even finish. It was huge. So the players had a meeting that very night, and it was a very deep and very heated situation in which all the teams were there, even coaches were present, and they were able to air out how they felt and whether or not they should continue playing the season. The players all kind of gave their opinions. LeBron James in particular came out and said that he actually firmly believed that they should not continue the season, that they should stop, that there is a much bigger issue at hand, and we need to address that before anything else. 
And as a result, he walked out. The entire Laker team followed him and the Los Angeles Clippers as well. After both the Lakers and the Clippers left, all the other teams felt kind of uncertain because those were the two top teams in the Western Conference and drew a lot into the rating situation. Udonis Haslam of the Miami Heat spoke out and said, if the Clippers and Lakers aren't playing, then how could we even seek to continue this season? It just didn't seem fathomable. So the meeting concluded that night with a lot of uncertainty. Chris Haynes, sideline reporter and also NBA insider, reported on Twitter that there will be a follow-up meeting the following day, early in the morning, to discuss the issue in further detail. The following morning, NBA referees got together, and they actually had a huge protest around the NBA campus in which they fought for social justice for both African-American males and women in our country. It was a huge display of unity that I personally enjoyed. And then later on that morning, the players got together again for round two of their meeting. And this meeting seemed to have a much more positive tone as players were able to air out their grievances and talk about ways of making real change in our country, how to make a solid impact. They also put the pressure on the owners to take more of a proactive approach instead of being reactive towards the situation. All in all, after everyone came together and both sides were heard, they came to an agreement to continue the NBA playoffs and finish off this season. This was a huge moment in our country, guys, as the NBA took a huge stand for social justice, and a lot of other leagues followed suit. The MLB canceled games in tennis. Naomi Osaka refused to play. The WNBA players also joined together with the NBA and refused to play games that day. So it was a great show of display of unity, and I like how everyone came together to inspire true social change in our country. With that being said, guys, let's get right on into our show and talk about our first topic of the NFL rookies. Now, guys, the NFL draft happened about three to four months ago, and there were a lot of rookies that were taken that really piqued my curiosity and really like kind of had me guessing like, wow, these guys could have a huge impact on their team. Most notably, guys, the one that came to mind immediately was C.D. Lamb. Wide receiver out of Oklahoma going to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, CeeDee Lamb was an absolute stud for the Sooners this past season. He was a touchdown monster. When Kyler Murray was his quarterback, he was absolutely dishing to him touchdowns. And in this past season with Jalen Hurts as quarterback, he just kept him coming. He's a great route runner. He has a great eye for the ball. He can work in the slot. He has a great outside game as he can just be one-on-one coverage and he can go up and absolutely snag that ball out of the air. So when the Cowboys took him, I thought he was a, an amazing fit here. Although they have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who are two really solid receivers, and even though they paid Cooper a ton of money this offseason, I think CeeDee Lamb is going to show out, guys, because he's just that kind of talent. And everything going on with training camp this summer just seems to indicate that he's going to be a huge focal point for this offense. The second guy on my list who will have an immediate impact on his team is Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama, going to the Denver Broncos. Now, this selection was a much-needed pick for the Broncos. They really needed a wide receiver. They have Cortland Sutton, who they had last year, and he's a good player, but they need another piece there because he's the only guy they really have on the outside. They have a tight end in Noah Fant who can catch balls, but that running mate of a second receiver is hugely key. So Jerry Judy fits this offense well. 
and he can come in and be a very huge threat on the outside. He kind of has a game resembling, in my opinion, Des Bryant, where he can just absolutely shred one-on-one coverage. There's just nobody that can stop him. He has huge speed, and his hands are gigantic, in which he can bring down any ball, and he'll be the perfect complement to Corlin Sutton on the opposite side. The Denver Broncos hit on this pick, and we'll just have to see what Jerry Judy does in the NFL season coming up very soon. The third guy on my list is actually the number one pick in Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow, guys, I was a huge fan of him this season at LSU. He was the prototypical quarterback. He had the type of mindset of that gunslinger, go get him, never say no kind of attitude kind of kid. And he was not afraid to spread that rock around. LSU featured this kid in the best way humanly possible. He came over from Ohio State in which he was the third quarterback on the depth chart behind the likes of Dwayne Haskins and then even JT Barrett, who was a good quarterback. But him coming to LSU really opened up his place, his, his skill set, and he was able to thrive in that offense. He threw for a record amount of touchdowns this past season, guys. He broke records in touchdowns, passing yards for a quarterback, and he was shredding offenses left and right. And he went through not only Alabama, he went through Georgia, he went through all the top-tier SEC teams, and just made him look like child's play. And what really stood out was his national championship performance, in which he had to go toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence. And this is this is the guy that everyone has like named as the next Peyton Manning, the next Tom Brady, the next it quarterback to just change the NFL. This duel, guys, was one for the ages. Both teams came in red hot. Trevor Lawrence came off a huge win against Ohio State in the semifinal match, and Joe Burrows came in with a huge win over the Oklahoma Sooners. Joe Burrows in this game, guys, showed absolutely no fear. He showed no fear in the eye of danger and came in and did what he had to do. He was an absolute stud, guys, throwing touchdown passes left and right to Justin Jefferson and many others on the squad. And as a result of him playing so well, he became a national champion and brought back that championship to LSU, which was the first championship they have won in so many years. So his impact on the Bengals will be huge. I think he can utilize Joe Mixon, the running back on the Bengals, to his fullest potential, not to mention A.J. Green is coming back off injury, and I think that the pairing between A.J. Green and Joe Burrow will be a match made in heaven. So I like it, and the Bengals' future looks very bright. Now last, but certainly not least, let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the running back out of LSU, Joe Burrow's favorite target outside of Justin Jefferson. He was a surprise pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. I didn't see him going this high, guys. Honestly, I had guys like DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor going much higher than Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but apparently Patrick Mahomes had a huge love for his talent and actually told Andy Reid that he wanted him in the first round. And I think he can come in and make an immediate impact. With Damon Williams opting out due to the COVID-19, there is a wide open space in the backfield for him to maintain all the carries and absolutely ball out. So that rounds out my list, guys. Now let's talk about the NBA playoffs as we've had some crazy games since we last spoke. Now the first game that comes to mind was game four between the Dallas Mavericks 
and the Los Angeles Clippers. This game, guys, was top tier. One for the ages. There was so much happening in this game. And let's just break it all down. The Clippers open up the game, coming out guns blazing. Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams led the charge, knocking down shots left and right, and opened up the game into a 20-point lead by one point. I thought the Dallas Mavericks had no chance of coming back in this game. But sure enough, the Dallas Mavericks showed some serious resolve, and coming out of halftime, they began to knock down some serious shots. Tim Hardaway Jr. led the charge, knocking down and getting about 20 points in the game. Seth Curry also came off the bench, scoring 20-plus points. Trey Burke, who looked like a second coming of a player on the rise, also shot out for him. And of course, the Don, Luka Doncic, continued his path towards greatness and showed out effectively in this game. And slowly but surely, guys, that lead began to dwindle. That 20-point lead went down to 10, 5, 3, 2, 1, and the Dallas Mavericks took the lead in the fourth quarter. This game went back and forth in the last quarter with the Clippers taking the lead. Kawhi Leonard knocking down some tough turnaround jump shots, going to the rim. Luka came back right down the floor, hitting some just Bone-crushing shots, three at the top of the key on the right-hand side, the left-hand side, dishing it out to his players. And the Mavericks came back as well, and it came down to the final moments, guys. And let me walk you through the last two plays of this game. Marcus Morris, who has been a huge revelation for the Clippers, hit a huge big-time shot. With about a minute or 50 seconds left in the game, Kawhi Leonard had the ball. Game was all tied up, and he dished it out to Marcus Morris in the corner for a three, shot it with conviction, and knocked it down, giving the Clippers a lead going into the final moments of this game. This left the Dallas Mavericks with the last possession of the game. With about under 20 seconds left to go in the game, the game was fully in the hands of Luka Doncic. So let's walk you through the final play of this game, guys. Inbounding the ball was Dorian Finney-Smith. He inbounds the ball to Luka with about 3.7 seconds left on the clock. Reggie Jackson's on him. Luka dribbles to the right, then throws the ball between his legs. Step back, three shot at the horn, and bang, bang, down the hoop. Goes the ball, and Luka Doncic hits a buzzer beater clutch bucket to give the Dallas Mavericks the win. Guys, this was the nicest and purest looking three-point shot to get the dub I have seen in quite some time. Luka looked like an absolute stud, shot that ball with conviction, and that was all she wrote. He sent the Clippers home packing with that buzzer beater shot and really cemented his legacy as a bona fide MVP caliber player for years to come. This was the coming of age shot, guys, and his name was put on the map. Moving on to our second spectacular game in the NBA playoffs, we're going to talk about the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers, specifically game number four. Now, the Lakers guys came in looking very shaky to the playoffs. They weren't clicking on all cylinders. They were missing a ton of three-pointers, which made me super concerned as to what they're going to do when push comes to shove and when these things start rolling, and especially against a very hot Portland Trailblazer team that has been looking guns blazing with Damian Lillard looking like 
like the second coming of Michael Jordan, hitting clutch bucket after clutch bucket, averaging over 30 points a game. And with the wingman and CJ McCollum, they looked like a very tough team for us. With that being said, this series started off on the worst note possible for the Lakers. The Trailblazers were able to edge us out, and Dame came riding that high momentum of squeaking into the playoffs with a huge performance, knocking down a logo trademark three and pushing the Trailblazers to a victory against us in game one. So with that being said, LeBron and AD had to bring it. And sure enough, guys, they came to play. From then on, the Lakers ran off three straight victories, taking a three to one series lead, looking like an absolute monster. And in game number four, guys, it was an absolute annihilation. At one point, the Lakers were up by 25 points. And what made it so special was that it was on Kobe's day. The Lakers honored him in the correct way and just balled out. Danny Green came along for the ride, knocking down threes, surprisingly, because he's been struggling this entire time in the bubble. And KCP came along as well. Alex Caruso came in, played some defense. And we've had a little showing from J.R. Smith, who knocked down a couple nice shots in the game. And that was an absolute rout, and it pushed us to that 3-1 series lead. So game five should be a wrap. Dame is hurt currently. He has some type of injury with his shooting hand or his offhand with some thumb injury that he's trying to figure it out, and he's just left the NBA bubble to go deal with that. So I presume the Lakers will take a 4-1 to series lead and send these Blazers home and allow us to get to the semifinal round and continue on that championship run. A couple other performances to note so far in the playoffs too, guys. We're going to start with the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler has looked very solid. I'm very impressed with what he's doing in the NBA bubble. He's able to get these Miami Heat players together and have them clicking on all cylinders. Not to mention, I think the best team out of the Eastern Conference right now is the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry has absolutely been a bona fide stud. Averaging over 20 points a game, 8-9 to nine assists. Fred Van Vliet, his wingman, has come along with him and Pascal Siakam has just maintained his very solid performance thus far this season so there are a lot of teams guys who are looking good and these NBA playoffs are heating up it honestly can go either way and with that guys I want to thank you all for tuning into another episode of Victory Lane next time we talk about the NBA semifinal matchups because things are looking very spicy and things are heating up and I can't wait to break down all the juicy performances coming out of the NBA bubble not to mention the NFL is just about to start in under two weeks away we're gonna get back to pro football and see what these guys are all about so with that guys take care stay safe be well and i will see you all on the next one